Welcome to episode three of the MCPA podcast. We're joined by Dr. Patrick Hammond, the official Kansas City Royals chiropractor, along with Dr. Michael Brooks from Raymore, Missouri. This was a great episode. We really dug into treating athletes as well as taking those experiences back to your family practice. And we discuss why you need to be a member of your state association if you care about chiropractic. If you enjoy this episode and want to learn more about what the MCPA is doing, join us at one of our seminars coming up in your area. We'll be in St. Louis November 17th through the 19th. We'll be in Kansas City December 1st through the 3rd. We'll be back in St. Louis January 12th through the 14th. And we'll finish up this cycle in Springfield January 19th through the 20th. In Kansas City February 16th through the 18th. Whether you need hours, you don't, you just want to meet other chiropractors, I encourage you to come out. We're going to have some great conversations like the one we have here today with Dr. Hammond and Dr. Brooks. And who knows, you might be the next one on the podcast. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the MCPA podcast. It's a pleasure to have everybody listening here, no matter when you listen to this. Today, we have a very special guest, two guests, actually. We have Dr. Patrick Hammond, who's blessed us with his presence here on the podcast. And we also have Dr. Michael Brooks. We'd like to welcome Dr. Hammond to the podcast and just sort of uh, give him a chance to introduce himself. If you don't know him, then you're getting ready to. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm Patrick Hammond. I'm a 97 grad of Cleveland University of Kansas City. I've uh, practiced in Shawnee, Kansas for the last 26 years, um, mostly a family practice, but um, definitely have a sports side uh, with the Kansas City Royals for the last 22 years. I've worked with some other sports teams over the years, um, soccer, basketball, uh, football players. So uh, a lot of different avenues of practice over the years. And uh, it's always a joy to talk about chiropractic and talk to other people that are uh, in the pursuit of success of chiropractic. Amazing. And Dr. Brooks, welcome back. If you just want to introduce yourself to everybody, we'll get it uh, rolling here. And just uh, if you tell us a little bit about how you know Dr. Hammond, too, this was an unexpected surprise that came in the scheduling. So um, so uh, I am a 2016 grad of Cleveland Chiropractic College, and I did my external preceptorship with Dr. Hammond. So basically what that is, is I go and uh, I hang out with Dr. Hammond at his regular, um, at his office for his regular business hours. And I do, um, basically, I'm just there to kind of learn um, what it is to run a practice every day. Um, school is great, but school is also very different than uh, the real world. And uh, Dr. Hammond had a successful practice for a long time, and it was something that I was uh, interested in trying to figure out how um, one of the best guys in the city um, practiced chiropractic. And so uh, it was a very valuable uh, tool and opportunity for me. Uh, I know there's things that I learned or that we talked about that I use in my own practice today. So uh, it was a very great opportunity. So I was with Dr. Hammond for about four months. That's some good background. That kind of ties into the last episode we had with Dr. Brooks, where we spoke about how do you decide what you want to do in business? Do you just become an associate? Do you try to, you know, hang your shingle right out of school? And it was just, there's many different ways to do it. Then we also spoke about what do you do later on when you've already been an associate? And how do you make that decision to buy a practice, start one, and pretty much decide that you want to hang up somewhere for yourself as opposed to you know, uh, some of the other options we mentioned were like traveling doctors. So we have doctors that would uh, go to their patients' homes and other things like that. So that was uh, definitely interesting to hear. You never know where you're going to meet and happen to be good uh, preceptorship. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll kind of uh, kick it off here. Dr. Hammond, would you give us a bit of background on how you came to 
you know, what was your path to making it to Cleveland? If you would just kind of touch on, were there some key factors? Was there a mentor? Uh, when did chiropractic reveal itself to you? And then as it uh, went on, if you could just sort of talk about why you were in school, any of the, you know, organizations, uh, events, programming, things that sort of affected your ability to make the decision, you know, after a try nine, getting out into the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I first was introduced to chiropractic when I was younger and my father had some back problems and I saw the success and relief that he gained from going to a chiropractor and a good friend of mine in high school's dad was the chiropractor and uh, just kind of thought, well, that might be interesting until lo and behold, like most of us chiropractors, we hurt our backs. We go to a chiropractor, we see how that worked and thought, well, that was pretty cool. I think I'd like to look into that more as a profession. And uh, his, uh, yeah, he was a Cleveland grad. And so I just kind of automatically, I don't think I even looked at another school. I just followed the the path to Cleveland. And I'm from a, a small town in North Missouri, Bethany, Missouri. And uh, it was convenient and just got used to uh, being around, you know, in school and being around the uh, other students in chiropractic. And, you know, we definitely got into some clubs. I wouldn't say I spent a lot of time in clubs. I definitely didn't have a sports interest necessarily at that time of my life. I was just trying to find a way to develop a business in chiropractic and hopefully make a good living in doing so. And um, as I worked um, when I was in chiropractic school, I bartended on the plaza in Kansas City. And an alumni happened to come in there and I just got to know him over a couple of years. And he said, when you get done, come talk to me. And his name was Dr. Peter Young. And he practiced in Westwood, just west of the plaza. And when I graduated, I went and worked for him for four years as an associate. So it was a great scenario for me and it worked out well. And uh, the rest is history, so to speak. That's interesting to hear. So you took the route of working as an associate and you also stayed in the general area of the school. So those are two right. big decisions that you have to make when we go out to the schools, we meet students then, you know, trimester three, all the way up to about six, they, you know, come out to the events. And some of them are from California, Michigan, maybe they're from Georgia and they're deciding, you know, maybe when school's done, I'm, I'm going to go back home or at least, you know, closer to home. So that's always a decision to make, but helps when you're local. Yeah. Yeah. And really in my hometown, when I graduated, the, I think there was already three chiropractors in a town of 3000 people. I didn't think they probably needed a fourth and it would have been pretty challenging for me to uh, have much success there, I thought. And at the time, I just thought there was more opportunity in Kansas City, and, and it worked out well. I'm a fan of the area. I know the plaza well. I'm a Jack Stacks fan, so, you know, I like <laughs> to get some good brisket or burn end. So that's a great area. Dr. Yeah, Brooks, exactly. we have enough barbecue in Kansas City to keep you busy. Yes, oh, sir. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dr. <laughs> Russman Dice has taken me out to a few places. I'm still building a list. There's uh, you go through an entire list and then you meet somebody else and they're like, none of those are on my list. You got to come here. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the barbecue life. But Dr. Brooks, if you would uh, kind of give us some background on Cleveland from what you saw. So you've heard, uh, you know, you have your story as well. Uh, what similarities did you see to what Dr. Hammond did to the way you practice? And then ultimately where you ended up, uh, you know, out in your area, where does the influence kind of overlap there? Any differences? Uh, a little bit of differences. Uh, I am from a, a suburb of Kansas City called Grandview. Um, and so um, 
that is practicing closer to my hometown is something that uh, I'd always wanted to do. Uh, it's obviously a little bit easier being closer to a metropolitan area because there's obviously plenty of uh, potential patients um, that need to be seen. So uh, me getting to Cleveland was um, very similar. Uh, I was different. I had never seen a chiropractor before. Um, and so it was very new to me. Um, but I remember just driving around town, um, seeing the, uh, the road sides for Cleveland Chiropractic College. And I was always kind of curious as to like what it was, but never actually did any research with it and thought, oh, well, what actually is chiropractic? So when it came to the time where I decided that I wanted to um, be a chiropractor, like it was the same thing as Dr. Hammond, there wasn't really a second option. I don't think I looked at another school. I was just like, I'm just going to go to Cleveland because uh, it's here in town. And then after graduation, uh, same thing, you know, worked for an associate uh, or worked for an office as an associate for three years out in Lee Summit, um, again, close to home. But when I bought my practice out in Raymore, Missouri, uh, that really got me uh, to being at home. Uh, it's just a five minute drive to grab you from where I'm at now in Raymore. And so it's me really treating the people that I grew up with that I envisioned treating uh, when I was younger and when I decided that I wanted to be a chiropractor. Plans change as you go on. We all know that. So that's definitely good to see. So it's interesting to see the different ways that people get started. Dr. Hammond, could you give me a, I guess, just a summary, if you will, of how one has the family practice, but also manages sports. And then uh, Dr. Brooks probably has some physician level questions that are probably better suited for him to ask, but I'd love to see the duality. Like it, let's say somebody doesn't treat any athletes, but one comes through the door you know, how do you integrate that into your family practice? Any stories or anything you want to share on that front? Yeah, I, I you know, I, 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 there is a difference between an athlete and your everyday patient that happens to come in the office, but there's also many similarities. Uh, most people that come in the office, it's a overuse injury, whether it's sitting behind a computer or mowing yards or roofing a house, or just depends on what they do. Some of them are just from throwing baseballs and swinging a bat or a golf club. So, much of it, the similarities, just the overuse, you find the overdeveloped versus the underdeveloped tissue in the body and try to balance them or as close as you can. The trainer and I, and really the, the healthcare team, we always talk about a balanced structure or as close to a balanced structure as we can get them, or at least as close to their normal as we can get them. And that carries over to everything I do in a regular everyday practice. Um, obviously, if they're balanced or pretty close to balanced, Athletes and people are going to get injured, but typically their recovery will be faster if they're more in a balanced structure, more neutral than if they're way off center and way overdeveloped um, in comparison to where they should be. So um, how I work the hours, I've done different sports over the years, but baseball is the easiest in a sense that their, their schedule is the same every year, even though there's a lot of games, it's always the same. So Tuesday, Friday afternoon, I don't have hours in my practice and I go to the stadium and the other three days I go full days and then I go on Sunday mornings and obviously I don't have office hours then. So in that situation, I could kind of work around it and build around it accordingly. Um, we've worked with soccer teams in the past and it's a little different uh, Munster in that they'll have a four o'clock game an eight o'clock game. Uh, it definitely varies a little bit more. So it's a little more challenging. Um, but if you have multi-doctor clinic, it's much easier. You can get somebody to cover the patients while you're gone 
or if the associate's taking care of the the uh, the team, then I take care of their patients. So we've done an accumulation of different ways, and ultimately, the everyday practice is fun, and that's where your bread and butter comes from. The sports side is just kind of more fun, even though you can make some money, but probably not enough to where you could only do that. So, Dr. Hammond, um, how do you feel like treating athletes has helped you uh, in your family practice? And I guess my question is, is do you feel like treating some of the injuries that might be more severe and more trauma heavy have helped you to do some of those everyday sprained ankles, shoulder injuries for um, for the non-professional athlete? Do you feel like that's helped your family practice? Oh, sure. I, I, and I think there's a couple of ways, you know, treating a sports team kind of sets you apart from the other chiropractors that are in the area. Um, you, you know, it's not that I'm any different or better than them. It just separates me. I call it a good separator. Um, and yeah, when you see enough other sports related injuries on a, on a consistent basis, whether it be when I'm at the stadium or learning more about that, but then it just seems whatever you put in the universe, that kind of seems to come your way into practice. And um, I've accommodated my practice. Obviously, I get a lot of young athletes, um, a lot of student athletes, mostly because, oh, here you treat the Royals. So that means, okay, I got a similar problem, whether it is or whether it isn't. There again, most of it's just an overuse injury. And so it's a bad strain, sprain, or tendonitis from doing too much too soon and typically too young in a young athlete's case. So it, it does carry over and you do learn a lot. Being in the sports world, you know, you learn a little bit, maybe what the PT will do, what the orthopedist will do, what the medical, the strength, the, the trainer. So you can learn from everybody, which can really help you out in practice. Mm -hmm. And then I would also assume that because you know, all these PTs and the trainers and your whole medical team, that that just really helps all of your patients in general, because if it's something that maybe doesn't respond to chiropractic, then you know exactly who to refer to for a specific injury, whether it's well, maybe we need to go to PT, maybe we need to send you to an orthopedic. So would you say that that definitely helps with the overall uh, case management of specific patients? Oh, hundred percent. You know, you, you have people that are in that field and in that realm. And there again, whether it's somebody from running the mouse too much has this very similar tendonitis in their shoulder as somebody that throws too many curveballs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can get into the orthopedist, you get to know them better. You can call them directly, talk to them about it. And kind of set the tone for the patient, which I think sets them up for more success. Gotcha. That's great. Yeah, that is something that I've always kind of um, wanted to be interested in myself with sports, because I always thought that if you can treat the more severe injuries, that anybody who comes in with just everyday kind of stuff, if they roll their ankle on the step walking around, that you're going to be able to provide them the best potential care um, from dealing with people who have it from an athletic level. Um, what type of benefit do you see in like a wellness setting? Um, do you, do you treat guys, I guess on the sports team, the Royals, do you treat them more on a wellness level or is it more if they come in with a specific complaint or is it kind of based on, um, based on how they're feeling? Like kind of what does that wellness setting look like to you and how do you see um, their performance, if any change from just like wellness visits and helping to maintain being um, being balanced properly, as you said. Yeah, you know, we definitely try to be more on the wellness side of things. We'd rather stay ahead of an injury rather than be behind an injury. And mm -hmm. I think that's the case with anybody at any time. Um, 
So we definitely try to treat as many as we can on the wellness side. Definitely the pitchers, just because they do the same repetition so many times over and over and over and over again. Um, some of the players that, you know, it's still like any of our patients. We, we talk to them about wellness care. Some of them get it and some of them don't. So a lot of people may wait until they hurt and then they come in, which is totally fine. And you just have to address that as the situation kind of presents itself. Um, a lot of players, especially when you get in the, uh, the Latin American players, the Mexican players, a lot of those that they are not familiar with chiropractic. It's not part of their everyday life. And so a lot of that just comes to education on our part, um, whether it be myself or the trainers or um, whoever it is on the, the healthcare side, a lot of that just on education base. We really talk to them about staying ahead of the curve rather than wait for it to get you. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, what about any type of like specific modalities? Obviously adjustments is the primary thing. That's what we know that yeah. everybody needs. Um, but is there anything more specific that either you use in your office um, to treat athletes or that you use in the professional realm to kind of treat some of those injuries more on the rehab side? Is there anything specific that um, that you utilize more specifically for injuries prevention or rehab uh, from the injuries? Yeah, you know, and I do learn a lot from the setting of being around that in, in the clubhouse, whether I always say they have a lot more money than I do, so they can go through different higher tech uh, modalities and therapies. And so I now have a cold laser, which I watched them go through a laser year and they were unhappy, unhappy. Then they finally got to one that they liked and then they had four of them. So I bought that laser. And so I utilize that a lot in my everyday practice, as well as at the, the facility. Um, I got whole body cryotherapy based off me utilizing it at the stadium and realizing how much I like that. Mm -hmm. And that's really good for a lot of, and what I found the best is extremity inflammation and it gets people back on the field quicker. Um, and then it's the, obviously the adjustments, the extremity adjustments, um, KT tape a little bit, but then just learning different exercises to really focus on a shoulder injury and elbow injury. Um, I think in chiropractic, I, I've been introduced to some exercise protocols for certain conditions, but it, it carries a little more weight when you say, hey, this is what the professional baseball players are using. And then people go, oh, okay. Then they follow it just a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, I have cold laser in my office and I use it for very similar uh, extremity injuries is probably what I use it for the most. Somebody comes in with a wrist injury, somebody comes in with a ankle injury, something like that. That's usually primarily what I use that laser for. But that cryotherapy sounds kind of cool. That may, might be something I'd be interested in, too. Yeah, come by. Yeah, <laughs> I well, sure will. And there's a lot of research and data that's really starting to show it in the cold tub kind of aspect. And a lot of people are utilizing that. The whole body cryo, it, you're never wet, you stay dry. And so you warm up much faster, mm -hmm. but you get the same benefits. So I, I, I've yet to figure out why you might want to set in cold ice and or just get out and you warm back up initially much quicker. That sounds great because being a pitcher in college, man, <laughs> putting that ice pack on your shoulder doesn't necessarily feel good. You do it because you know it's going to help, but yeah. you don't exactly like to walk around with it. So if there was yeah. something that I could have done back then, to make it more comfortable, but still get that same or even better effect, then it's yeah. definitely something that I would have done as well. So yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, such as technology and such as advancements, there's better things coming all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things I know we've talked about in the past uh, when I was doing my preceptorship with you is like a special certification 
to treat athletes um, to do any kind of sideline stuff. What is your opinions on that? Do you think they're good? Do you think they're bad? Um, do you think it's necessary uh, to have one of those additional certifications uh, to be able to treat athletes? Yeah, I think it really depends on what you want to do. Um, I was at the, the Cleveland homecoming this past weekend and uh, a, a doctor was there that does a lot of Olympic um, treatment. And so mm -hmm. her certification, I think, is much more validated than mine. Typically, I am a chiropractor when I go to the stadium. I adjust. I do some soft tissue therapy modalities. And that's primarily what they have me there for. So in my case, you don't need any extra certification. But I do see the need if somebody really wanted to do that, it would be warranted if you are going to be on the sideline and somebody comes in with a, a, you know, a broken clavicle, for example, you know, you'd want to know how to, you know, support that and stabilize that and then get them into the ambulance as quickly as possible. But there's a lot of different avenues and what you want to do in sports medicine or sports chiropractic. Um, like I said, most of the people I know in baseball are primarily there to adjust. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people if that's something you're interested in, then be a really, really good adjuster. You know, don't kid yourself and say, oh, I can do this kind of good. No, you need to be really good at this, which I think is true of all chiropractors. But if you're going to put yourself out there, not only for yourself, but the profession, make sure you're really good at it. I think there's so that carries over to, okay, don't put yourself in a place that you're going to not know what to do. So if you're going to be at a, an Olympic uh, event, and you're treating that, and all I know to do is to adjust people, and somebody walks over to me with a dislocated elbow, I mean, there's definitely a separation of knowledge and what you need to do with that elbow. So I think there is need for that. Um, it just depends on what you want. But if you're going to step up to the plate and do the heavy-duty stuff, then you know you definitely get the certifications and get ready. Uh, so then how would one get into treating more athletes, whether in the office or doing something more um, whether it's on the sideline or whether it's more like local sports um, or even kind of dipping into that realm where you're at with the uh, professional sports? Yeah, I, I find this, I think it's kind of easy in a sense that usually if you make a phone call or stop by and ask people, if they don't have somebody, they'll probably be more than happy to let you come on board. If they do have somebody, well, then that's another obstacle that you may have to run into. But I, the, the sports teams that I used to work with and I, I used to, at one time, I was with professional soccer, baseball, indoor soccer, basketball. Most of those just came with a phone call back in the day. And I, and I know that was in the 1900s, and now we're in a new century. But I think a lot of that still holds true. You just make connections, you know, whether it be at a high school. Okay, you go talk to the athletic director, I would assume. Call them up, see if they have interest. You know, let them know of your certifications and why you should be allowed to be there. Um, chiropractic's grown so much in my 26 years of practice to where it's such an everyday understanding of what we do and how we do it. And I think most people would appreciate having a chiropractor close by. Um, I just think you just have to reach out and then also network as much as you can. You know, the, we were talking earlier about groups, you know, all the professional sports. We have the Professional Baseball Chiropractic Society, you have the Professional Hockey Chiropractic Society, the football you know, those are great organizations to reach out to and become uh, involved. The good thing with baseball, you know, you have single A, you have double A, you have triple A, then you have major league. So there's a lot more opportunity. And I think in baseball than in other sports, to, you know, dip your foot in it and see if you, this is something you really like to do. 
So that's so that's interesting that you bring up the different levels of baseball. So do you see like triple A clubs and double A clubs and single A clubs and in, in, in some of these independent league teams that actually have affiliated chiropractors and actually get treated regularly like that? Yeah. Um, so I started years ago and I started with the Royals. I would go to spring training every year, mm-hmm. treat them. At that time, I was the first chiropractor the Royals ever had kind of on staff. So I was the first, and then we kind of got into AAA, AA, and single A all within the Royals all have that. Mm-hmm. Now, and I believe the Independent League now uh, in Kansas City, the the Monarchs, uh-huh. uh, they used to have somebody. I don't know if they still do. I'm, uh, but yeah, most of these organizations, most of these athletes now have grown up with chiropractic. They mm-hmm. kind of expect it at some level. Uh, maybe not three times a week, maybe once a week. Uh, but most of these young players have come through growing up with chiropractic and they'd really like to have it there. The interesting part of that is obviously reimbursement components of, you know, single A and double A don't have the money that a major league team does. So right. a lot of that, if a chiropractor gets involved, I think that you probably may be doing that more because you love the game. Mm-hmm. They might give you some tickets, some advertising, something of that nature, but it might not be so much more financially rewarding, but it definitely could still be fun and a great opportunity. That sounds awesome. Um, have you seen it trickle into like some of the more extreme sports? Like obviously team sports make sense, but do you have any knowledge of like, does MMA fights do that or any type of UFC or just some of the more, um, I guess extreme is probably the best word I can think of, but just some of the different, not team sports, I guess. Yeah, I, I think, you know, years ago when I worked with Dutch Young, when I first graduated, we took care of a a good number of boxers in the Kansas City community. I know another KC alum, uh, Dr. John Petrick, is in Las Vegas, and he treats a lot of the MMA and UFC fighters. So I'm pretty sure, just based off my few conversations I've had with him, that a lot of those um, fighters do utilize that. Sounds like they need it more so than most <laughs> yeah, people, as think? much as they get banged up and everything. Yeah. So, um, well, that's great. Uh, Mike, do you have any additional questions? Tell you what, if you're in MMA and you don't have a chiropractor, I'd recommend one of the directories. Every state association has one, and <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of other websites. Get on the ACA website, just call somebody because, yeah, oh man, that's definitely somebody that needs it. Yeah, I think uh, what I was hearing here was definitely the mix of the service that you provide to the professional athletes, the athletes just in your practice that come in through a family, and all these they're connected. So you're basically uh, shoring up your different skills, different modalities you mentioned. What does uh, what does one need to get into when they're looking at, let's say, they don't see any athletes and they need to make a call. So in a normal situation, uh, who would you know? Who would they call if they don't know you? What's uh, what's another type of uh, mentor or a resource that they can take a look into? Or do you think that immediately you know calls for a referral? Um, so, re, so the question you're asking, if uh, a doctor is wanting to get in, in, involved into sports injuries, how they could network in that situation, is that what you're asking? Yeah, and specifically on the uh, maybe the physician level stuff, especially if, you know, let's say you find the athlete district that's willing to let you come on, but then yeah. the first time it comes up, it's something that, you know, you've read a diagram on, you've seen a couple of things, but it's like, who do I call? Like, how do you right. network in this society? Yeah, you know, I think they're, like we, I just spoke about briefly was the, the chiropractic groups and each one of those professional sports would be a great avenue. Um, they definitely have a couple of seminars. 
I know Cleveland, I'm pretty sure other chiropractic schools around offer uh, sports certifications and um, the CCSP, and you can kind of get in a little bit more in the sports injury world. Um, so much of this is just picking up on seminars that are around, you know, now it's so much easier. You can probably pull up sports injury online CE hours and learn a lot that, you know, I didn't used to have, but uh, so much of it is our knowledge that we gain from chiropractic school. And it's just trusting in what you learned and the chiropractic can just start adjusting them, start adjusting extremities and start picking up a few things as you go. You're not going to learn it all overnight, but you can start learning a little bit at a time. And uh, I always tell people, surprisingly, so many of these injuries are not that far off the beaten path of what you see on a daily basis. Every so often, you'll have a very unique one in a sense, but as a whole, most of them are very similar, and you already know how to treat them. You just got to believe in it. They may have a little more muscle tonicity from throwing a ball a lot on one side compared to the other, but you can work with that through modalities and other things that we know as chiropractors. So I think a lot of people just have to trust chiropractic and trust their own ability more and uh, just take care of people. And it's always surprising what you can help them with. Yeah, it's super interesting. You mentioned that you were at the Cleveland uh, homecoming that they do each year. And that's also a great resource to get out to. How was that? What was the experience there like? Yeah, you know, it was great. There, there were some great presenters and people really motivated about, you know, chiropractic and the future of chiropractic and where it's going. And, uh, you know, I, Sometimes I think, you know, you get around, you talk to different chiropractors and we can kind of sing the blues about where we're at and what's going on. But I think really we have a lot to look forward to in the future and chiropractic's on a growth pattern rather than a decrease pattern. And um, we're in a great place at a great time to help a lot of great people. We'd love to have you here in Missouri for a seminar sometime. We do bunch of them in Kansas sure, City. Let um, me know. I'll come over. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm, Missouri, I'm Missouri blood, man. That's where I was born. Yeah, we'll get you back over. It's uh, definitely, that's the part of the benefit the, the, excuse me, the state association has. We're working on the continuing education side, but then you also have the legislative fronts and advocacy. That's the two that are just, you know, we want to make things better for today and get your certifications and get your things rolling today, but it's always about tomorrow. The expansion and contraction is always the you know, you got to monitor that because if you're not pushing forward on one side, you might slip somewhere else due to no fault of your own, but to somebody else's, you know, they maneuver and now you have to push forward. Can you talk a little bit about associations? Maybe that are, are you a member in the Kansas side as well? Yeah. You talk about how that's worked for you and why is it important to be a member of the association, whether you're the Kansas City Royals chiropractor or if you just have a practice in a small town? Yeah, you know, I think it's great. I mean, and this is my kind of thing with all chiropractors. I mean, we, we we all need to come together and focus on what we, our similarities rather than our differences. I understand there's different chiropractors that do different things, but we're still on the same side and we need to learn to stand together. And, you know, if you look at other organizations in healthcare, everybody's a member of their state organizations. In chiropractic, we really lack in that. And I think that's unfortunate that we all need to be involved because we have to support those that are supporting us. And whether it's KCA and Missouri State Chiropractic Association, we have people that are going to the Capitol to talk on our benefit and our behalf so we can get better utilization towards patient care. And everybody, and, and I don't, and I don't under, understate this enough that we all, everybody needs the right to have chiropractic care. And everybody definitely needs the right to have that at any given time that they need it. And we can't always plan for 
unfortunate circumstances. You wake up, your back goes out, and a chiropractor can help you a lot better than a, some pills in certain circumstances. And, and we're definitely don't have to deal with the addiction issues. So we have to support our state uh, um, organizations. And we just had a, and I think probably Dr. Brooks had this on the Missouri side with some Blue Cross Blue Shield change of uh, diagnosis re recently. And the updates that I got from the state associations really assisted me through that process and made it a little smoother uh, to get it corrected and move forward. Yeah, uh, that's something that we experienced over here on the Missouri side as well. And all of my information I got right from the Missouri Chiropractic Physicians Association. Right. So um, it, it's it's all of that behind the scenes stuff that the KCA does, the MCPA does, all the things that it doesn't seem like is happening, but is actually happening. Um, and which is why it's so important um, to throw your support behind uh, any of them, especially the one that you're um in the state that you're practicing in because they're working hard uh, for you to make sure that you can do what you're passionate about and what you're trained to do. And it's important that everybody has access to that. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's a lot to wrangle the different interests and a lot of the aggregate work that the association gets done pretty much makes sure that nobody has to do everything, but everybody does something the way that we have it here. And I'm sure Kansas is set up the same way as that we have the districts. And inside of your district, you'll have a local board that's working. And that's how you make sure you got uh, pretty much everybody where they're at in their practice taken care of. And then these individuals bring the information back from the from the you know the state board that we have. We have the board of examiners and we just have the MCPA board of directors. So a lot of it is, you know, you just got to tell somebody if you're having an issue, get it up to somebody in the district, somebody on the on the district board. You know, this is the best way to get it out there. And then the other one is we also have member benefits like our attorney. He has a, a forum that he reads for us, so it goes over to him. We also have the insurance council, so when you're having some issues, you can post it in there. You know, outside of that, you can try the Facebook groups. You can always try calling a mentor or just somebody you know that's also in practice. But, you know, there's a reason that that person is putting their information into the member profile so that they can just ask directly to the people that have volunteered to answer these questions. And that's what I think the state association brings. And a lot of it, when it comes down to it, let's just say you're, you know, you're independent, let's say you're a cash practice and you don't accept insurance in any capacity. Well, you know, for some folks, they may not be fighting for a change in the reimbursement schedule because they don't take insurance. But if we got these changes made, we have the Medicare Modernization Act going up on the federal side in Missouri, we're fighting for equal pay for equal service. If we got those things together, I'm sure there would be a small section of people that may have considered insurance had they been you know, properly reimbursed to begin with and didn't mm -hmm. start 20 years ago building a cash practice. Do you have any uh, thoughts, either of you, on you know the reimbursements that leading people to take a cash practice? And even if it's not you, it could be, or it could be somebody that's just getting ready to start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a challenge, you know, and, and it, it's the insurance companies, unfortunately, you know, will dictate some of that, you know, a lot of the young doctors are almost forced to go to cash, whether they really thought about it or not, just because the, the insurance panel is full. Um, I see benefits to both sides. Obviously you're not controlled at all by the insurance companies as you're treating patients. Um, you're not worried about, okay, I did two therapies. I should have only done one. They're going to look at it as I'm overbilling or some overutilization of care. Um, so there is a lot of benefit to that. I, my opinion has always been, and, and I, and I see both sides, but this is just my personal opinion. And 
it's when the economy is good, people might pay cash, but then when the economy gets bad, that might be a little more challenging for them to follow through with their care and their treatment plans. And um, that's why it's always good to have the insurance side of that, even though I know there are write-offs and deductions and things we have to take, but I'm, I'm a heavy insurance practice but I, I, I like being busy. I like helping people. And I like taking all those obstacles away as possible as I can. And if I take their insurance, it just makes it easier to move them forward. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that sentiment. You know, um, we can always complain about reimbursement rates. I mean, but at the end of the day, uh, I view it as, you know, people have their insurance, whether it's through their work or whether they get it through the marketplace, wherever they get it from. And, they pay their hard-earned money for it and they want to be able to use that insurance for the benefits that it provides them. And so um, that's kind of my standpoint on it. Um, but I, I agree with Dr. Hammond, you know, we're a heavy, uh, we're a heavier insurance-based practice, but I like, I like my practice full and I like them being able to, um, I like them having it as easy as possible for them to get the care that they need and to keep, on the treatment plans that we have for them and insurance is a great way to do that. Yeah, there's some benefits. It's the legacy system. A lot of people have it. You just have to figure out if you're in network and then you also have some of the state programs that have other uh, sorts of limiters on it. So that's the, you pretty much just put the application into the state and see, you know, what kind of disclosures they want from you. And that is, it's a completely different decision. When we do our summer expo down in Branson, I met some doctors that have been cash for 40 years. And now the idea of, you know, they have patients that get to the Medicare age and that changes, you know, the way that they're able to support them. Have you had this happen in the past? A longtime patient moves into a different type of insurance or moves out of an insurance, and then you have to change your treatment, you know, program with them. Have you ever faced something like that? Go ahead, Dr. Brooks. Yeah, that's something that we deal with all the time. Um, you know, people change jobs, they get new insurance, their benefits change, you know, they want to know why they were paying X amount of dollars, you know, two weeks ago, and now they come in for the same treatment, and it's more, or we have to cut this treatment off because it's not covered by insurance. That's something that we deal with all the time. Uh, because we see Medicare patients, we don't, uh, we don't see a lot of, um, somebody going from like a self or a cash pay patient to actual like Medicare benefits. It's more just changing from one insurance company to the next when they turn 65. Um, but yeah, that's something that we, uh, that we deal with on a consistent basis, almost, almost weekly here where somebody's getting new insurance and their benefits have changed. So, yeah. 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 I fully agree. It, it, it happens frequently and, as I've been in practice longer, I, my patient base has grown with me. So we get a lot more from everyday regular medical insurance. Now we're moving them into Medicare and just explaining the differences of that moving forward. And um, But it's not too big of an obstacle if you just educate them. And it's always, I think, a lot better if the doctor understands that and your staff understands that. So both the patient's getting the same message from both sides. You know, you, you want to make sure you're all on the same page. If the staff is telling them one thing, the doctor tells them something else, you got to be that united front going and explaining it to them. I think it makes it a lot easier for the patient, especially the aging population at times that they are a little confused. This was what I've been having, I've had for 40 years, and now I got this. And we just got to make that easy for everybody. I agree with that 100%, making sure that everybody understands their insurance as much as possible, whether it's Medicare 
or whether it's a major medical plan uh, is probably the most important thing that we do is just getting people to understand that they have a deductible, what that means, what a coinsurance means, because um, they're all just kind of buzzwords. Everybody knows that, oh, well, I have a deductible, but do they actually understand what that means? And I would say it's about 50-50 in my office. People understand it versus not understanding it. But I think education is is the best form to kind of rectify that situation when it occurs. On the patient side, you know, when you go into a hospital and you explain, you know, this is happening uh, and the, the doctor gives you some, you know, they just, they say something. I'm always like, is that covered by insurance? And the universal thing is, I'm not on the insurance front, but what we can do is, you know, when we're over here, you, you can talk to my associate and they can look it up for you. But, you know, it's tough when you're working from a book you can't uh, order from. That's sort of how I look at it sometimes when, you know, it just depends what your insurance is. And I get that some things, you know, there's administrative procedures in place here to make sure everything's on the up and up. But, you know, it's when you're in like a, an emergency medical situation and they're just like, I have these people that insure me and I hand them three different cards and like, you know, I got a driver's license, just scan them all, see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think partly it helped that, you know, the no surprise act, right. That we're all supposed to be mm -hmm. aware of and uh, simulate our patients into knowing that, that we really need to lay our prices out. So they understand, Hey, this is what's going to happen. This is where it's going to go. This is what it's going to cost. And, you know, and I think hospitals are doing a better job of that as well. Um, you can't just, and I understand life and death situations is a different circumstance and sometimes an acute back attack, but you at least got to let people be aware of. And I think the general public also needs to have a better understanding of their insurance. Um, when Dr. Brooks was talking, it's, I mean, everybody pays a lot for their insurance and they pay a lot of their premium and they think it's the best insurance in the world, whether it is or whether it isn't, they spend a lot of money on it. So I always think that we always turn them and say, we're going to explain this as best we can, but you also have some, maybe a little work on your side to do to understand this a little more clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we get into it a lot where people will, like there's differences between medical insurance and like chiropractic benefits at times. And so sometimes it comes into that a little bit. If they say, oh, well, I went to the emergency room and it was this. Um, I mean, you know, it's just... <laughs> The insurance plan sometimes can be very complex for anybody to understand. So, uh, but again, we try and explain it as best we can, just like Dr. Hammond does. And um, uh, I mean, education, that's all I can say about insurance is trying to educate patients <laughs> as best we can. First company that puts an AI inside of a insurance company diagnostic manual so that you can quickly mm -hmm. spin things up is probably going to go triple platinum. They won't want for any money on any rounds. So if you're listening, start that now. Yeah. Great, great. Well, that's uh, sort of the serious part of the show. I always uh, try to end it with uh, Dr. Hammond. Anything on the arts, movies, TVs, podcasts, any plays you've been to recently, anything uh, on that front you've been getting into? Uh, you know, I wish I could remember the show that I just started watching. Um, it's on the development of Uber. I think it's on Hulu. Yeah. Super pumped. Yeah, super pumped. That's it. Yeah, I just started watching that. That's pretty good. And um, uh, but other than that, my I just uh, got tickets to go. My wife and I are going to go see Pink on Saturday night. She's a big Pink fan, and so uh, which we've seen her before. But um, we were going to be out of town, and now we're going to be here. So that's our plan for Saturday night. Yeah, I'm a Pink fan as well. I think that'd be a pretty good concert to go to. 
That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, the super pumped is good. If you haven't heard of this, uh, Uber is a very interesting company. And I think for somebody that just rides in Ubers, I've never heard that story. I guess I must have missed that the first time around. But <laughs> pretty much uh, they started that company together. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, big Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan. He does a good job. Third Rock from the Sun and all of that. It's been a long time, but that's good. Dr. Brooks, any new uh, media that you've been up to? uh no i don't think so still trying to get caught up on podcasts uh my wife is a pretty big uh status quo kind of person so we tend to watch the same things over and over again uh <laughs> but we just been uh we just been watching football she likes to watch football a lot when the nfl is on and i've been forcing her to watch some of the baseball playoffs even though she's like who's playing and so uh, that's kind of what we've been into and uh, we've been watching, I guess we have been watching some, we've been watching the Fast and Furious series, trying to get all cut up on all those because it's probably been five or six years since I've seen any of the new ones. So I guess we're right in the middle of getting caught up on all those. So, uh, so those are pretty good. But other than that, just same old thing. That's good. That's good. I recently rewatched Ballers. If you saw that one with The Rock and all of that, it's it's basically entourage, but for the NFL and yeah. I don't know. It's like, you know, a lot of good cameos, but it really shows what happens to these players. And in football, you know, I don't want to get into a pricing discussion here, but pretty much some of the contracts don't match like the other sports that people pay where they don't get hit as much. And it just shows what happens when you leave it all on the field, first in college to see what's going on there. And then you get to the NFL, you do eight years, and then, you know, they tell you that you're bone on bone on the hip and that they'll no longer, you know, write prescriptions for you and stuff like that. So I think it touches on a lot of things that people don't see because, you know, when an individual makes a lot of money in sports, uh, some privacy is added, but on some other fronts, you know, they're the same as us. They're no different than somebody that gets hurt on the line. Yeah. yeah. I, I just had a patient that spoke, that made me think of this, but uh, Cigna has a great NFL alumni health care plan and chiropractic is covered on that. And if the player gets clearance to be treated, it pays at 100% services, even though, and it is more than our Cigna by the um, American Specialty Group. It does pay better. But I just got a player recently that is a, a former NFL player, and he got the acceptance of this. So you can treat him um, at 100% uh, reimbursement, which is nice. So yeah. throw that out there if anybody's listening and you're around an area of retired NFL players look into that uh, healthcare plan. I need to get some of them to come see me then. Yeah. A hundred percent. Who can argue? I, I, yeah. I don't see anybody that's oh, willing to cover a hundred percent. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that's it. Well, uh, Dr. Hammond, if you have uh, anything that you've got going on that you want to talk about, I'll just want to open it up to you. Where can people find you? And, you know, in the greater sphere, I'm sure we'll have you out to Missouri for one of these seminars here, but yeah. Yeah, I just want to, you know, wrap it up, tell people, you know, where they can find you. And if you got anything that you're working on right now, they should be looking at. Yeah, you know, obviously anybody can reach out to me. My office is Hammond Chiropractic Center in Shawnee, Kansas. Um, my email is doc at hammondchiro.com. Um, uh, I'm kind of changing the parameters of my practice a little bit and moving in with a, a group called Curious Functional Health, which is going to be a great opportunity for chiropractors in the future. Um, but something that people definitely can look into and uh, look to see where um, our, our 
practices and our profession is moving forward in a different angle. That's definitely interesting to hear. Functional health is a big one. You get some docs that focus on nutrition a lot as well. Yeah. When I speak with them, it's it's like a separate business, if you will, inside of it sometimes because you just you get people that see you for both, but you have some that only see you there on the functional side. So, and you get a bunch of different practitioners in one location. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting as it continues to grow and move forward with some nutrition and some mental health therapists and um, some weight loss products coming out. Yeah, it's definitely something to look into. Everybody wants to lose a little bit of weight, me included, I'll tell you. <laughs> Without a Zimbic. Yeah, yeah. That one is, uh, you know, if, if the wait time is very long and it costs $1,000 a month, that's just going to exclude some people by default. And then I'm sure there's some insurance companies that, you know, just don't pay for it currently, some of these uh, newer generation yeah. things. So if it's available to everyone, then I think it's good. But, you know, if it's hard to get and tough, then, you know, we're not going to see some real data on that until, uh, you know, they decide to put it out. Dr. Brooks, any updates from you? Anything you want to leave everybody with? No, not really. Everything's pretty much status quo. We're looking at adding massage therapy here soon. So that's kind of my big, uh, my big, uh, I guess, task for the next couple months or so. But other than that, I'm still at Heritage Chiropractic Clinic in Raymond, Missouri. And again, anybody can reach out to me if they have any questions. Uh, email address is Dr. Brooks, and that's B-R-U-C-K-S at heritagechirokc.com. We'll be in Kansas City December 1st through the 3rd. We're doing a seminar down there at the Hilton Garden in Independence. So if you need continuing education in the KC area, come out and see us. We'll put in the apps for Missouri and Kansas. But yeah, I think this is the, that's the other side of the association that I recommend people to come out to. You don't uh, have to come for the whole weekend if you can't make it. Come out, talk to some folks. At some of them, we also get some information on uh, sponsors and we have like a small trade show. So if you have something on the vendor side that you've been needing or you need to get the hours for your CE, I recommend it. I'll be there. Uh, Derek Leppard, our executive, be there. And a lot of the other folks that uh, you'll come to see from District 2 will have been putting it together. So we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it too. I'll be there as well. Uh, it's a great event. Mike and uh, Derek do a great job putting it on for us. So uh, it's, 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 uh, it's looking to be a good time. Yes. Yes. We're all in debt to Dr. Russell Matthias. He is the, uh, wrangler down there. He's just been doing it for a period of time that people know to reach out to him. And, you know, the speakers are easier to get when it comes through him, but as with all hotel based events, <laughs> someone's got to, you know, do it. Yeah. And he's <laughs> the guy for that. That's for sure. Amazing. Well, that's it. Well, Dr. Hammond, thank you so much for coming on. Mm -hmm. I just, I saw you on the Cleveland announcement and I said, you know what, if you don't cold email people in this life, you'll never hear back from them. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It was great to see Dr. Brooks too. Great to see you, Dr. Hammond. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um,